Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Today's a special day, Scott. We take a look at all the chaos and insanity of 2021. And there was a lot. From billionaires in space to hell on earth, we're looking back at one of the wildest years in recent memory. And at the end, we'll pick the biggest pivot from the last 12 months. This is 2021, the year in review. This year's first news event may also have been its biggest, it was its biggest, the insurrection of January 6th. In the aftermath of the attack on the Capitol, a lot of Americans were angry. Scott was among them. The the physician for Congress, they have a physician, I yeah, guess, sent out a memo, sure an email saying that there's a chance, you should all get tested because there's a chance when you are all huddling on top of each other, hiding. Mm-hmm. And barricading yourself that you might have, you might have contracted COVID that because be certain members of Congress, yeah. Yeah. certain members of Congress refused to wear masks. I know like, in okay, the room. So we have they were being begged people, to by other people. People huddling our elected officials, and when you think about it, these people they, they aren't elected officials; they're America. Yeah. They, they call the U.S. U.S. House of Representatives for a reason. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. we <laughs> as a nation had to huddle on top of each other and barricade our doors with furniture because. Yeah. Uh, because of these these village idiots that showed up. Yeah, in, in, not just village in, idiots. We're going to talk about that more. But by the way, the people, the, it doesn't get enough attention. I'm going the, with village the idiots. The people who, the representatives who refuse to wear masks, they can go fuck themselves. In this crisis situation, this is, this, they move to ridiculous. Can you believe that? They're an embarrassment to the United States government. They're embar- not just an embarrassment. That? They should be voted out. They will be, I don't know if they'll be voted out of office, but let me just say, fuck them. After the insurrection, Facebook and Twitter clamped down on QAnon content and accounts, but one platform stood firm, Parler. Kara interviewed then-CEO John Mates for the New York Times. He denied any responsibility. Soon after, Google and Apple pulled the app from their stores and Amazon stopped hosting Parler. Let's be clear. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack Dorsey did not kick Trump off the platform. Mark Zuckerberg did not shut his account down. Stacey Abrams did. Yeah. All of a sudden, these people have woken up. And okay, I want to be clear. Let's right. give credit where credit is due. Jack Dorsey right. decided 
to stop hate, polarization, and insurrections 1,449 days into a 1,460-day tenure. Way to go. Way to go, Jack. And just yeah. personally, yeah, just— it was a little late. Yeah, yeah. It's, we were talking about this this morning. Uh, if I come home after being on vacation for two weeks and I see my son vacuuming the living room— mm-hmm. Your first inclination should be, oh, that's great. He cares about the house and wants to be a good a good guy. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's thrown a rave and has been selling meth and molly for the last two weeks out of the house and is trying to cover his tracks. Yeah. And that's flushing what these the guys toilet. are There was doing. a lot of tweets about that. Yeah, flushing drugs around the toilet when a new— hundred. Uh, when a new— This is Lorraine Bracco uh, trying yeah. to, like, cover up the evidence. They deserve absolutely no credit. So, okay, first off, first off, <laughs> Stacey Abrams kicked— Trump off these platforms. And not only that, Amazon— By winning in Georgia, meaning the Democrats have control Sit back. You're going to love this because it's about you. Amazon, Jeff Bezos didn't kick Parler off AWS. Kara Mm -hmm. Swisher did. Because that interview with him that you did pointed out this guy is the newest addition to the menace economy. And people have realized that, wait, you know, Japan uh, in Europe, they decided that Nazis are a bad thing. And they can lead us down, and hate speech can lead us down a bad road. So they don't have the same First Amendment, quote-unquote, protections that we so dearly hold and have been totally perverted, which make absolutely no sense. And guess what? They still have a pretty free, open, progressive society where people get most of their viewpoints across. And everyone realizes that is just total bullshit. As we discussed free speech and social media, my son, Louis, brought up an important point, which is only more relevant today now that Trump's launching his own social network. Mm. He's he's probably going to go over there to other sites. Should he it, it, should there be a fully free speech platform? I mean, doesn't like 8chan exist? Yeah. And 4chan? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, like, yes. I think that yeah. well, there's yeah. already are places for that. So um, I think, yes, I think people have the right to you know, say what they want, but I don't think they have the right to be free of the consequences of what they say. Um, there's always, con- there should, like, you know, even if you threaten someone, there should be consequences. Uh, if you speak ill of someone, you may have to speak to that person or something. But I think Trump is, there's always going to be a slot on Fox News for Donald Trump. So I think he'll find places to go, whether it's not, whether it's Fox, OAN, uh, Breitbart, other platforms who will hear what he has to say. Um, regardless of, you know, if he's banned from Twitter. But I think uh, being on mainstream platforms and holding a mainstream, you know, uh, uh, standing on a box in the public square and, you know, like a a respected box, you know, uh, gives him an elevated voice that I think he no longer deserves. In the time since the insurrection, Trump has been removed from all social media platforms. Prosecutors have charged more than 650 people. By the way, remember that Jamiroquai guy? Ends up he lived with his mother. Good news, he's moving out into a fucking cell, you piece of shit. And at least 105 people have pleaded guilty. A House committee continues to investigate as well. Also, Trump has announced that he will launch his own social network, Truth Social. I'm calling it The Big Short. Facebook is no more. Well, kind of. Facebook rebranded to Meta earlier this year as it hoped to escape its toxic reputation that's plagued it since well before 2021. But this year saw challenges unlike anything Facebook has ever faced. Facebook's first fumble of 2021 came immediately after the insurrection when Sheryl Sandberg claimed that the Stop the Steal event was planned on other platforms. The claim was quickly shot down. Many people think she was inaccurate. Scott, care to rant? Go for it. Well, yeah, as 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 Miss I want to yell. I need you to yell at first. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to yell. As Miss Sandberg, <laughs> as Miss Sandberg claims that, uh, you know, pats herself on the back, saying that because of her transparency, it wasn't her platform. 
No sooner does she say that than they are taking ads from military vests and and basically combat wear right above content around the insurrection. It's like, yeah. what you missing? Plan planning to head back? Are you are you part of the mob? Well, buy this military vest. Yeah. I mean, that's that is for me that sort of typified. More than that, there was lots of proof that they organized on Facebook too. Well, of course there is. But the thing I'm uncomfortable with, and there's a lot to unpack here, is that when we have insurrection, when we have a, a potential coup, the way we mete out justice in our society now is that kayak and caviar cancel his account. That's how mm-hmm. we, yeah. we, we beg our innovators. We beg our yeah. over. That's the position we're in. And in April, a massive trove of Facebook user data landed on the dark web. That same month, a new iPhone feature lets users opt out of tracking by Facebook and other apps. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but Facebook is at a you know a all-time high, right? The stock's mm-hmm. at an all-time high, so it doesn't really matter what Tim Cook does or thinks about them because nobody seems to care. You know, until the government gets involved, even though they're going to do this trans—I think it's ATT something transparency thing. Um, nothing's going to happen to them. And so Cook is just going to push ahead with this 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 thing where you get to click that you're being tracked, essentially, or not. Um, and I don't know how much it's going to affect uh, Facebook. And he said he's not thinking about them at all. He thinks it's it's a flimsy <laughs> argument to argue yeah. that it's anything but privacy matter. You know, that it's, he doesn't understand why there's so much pushback from them um, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think they're just, and he also said they're not competitors. He doesn't consider them competitors. They are sort of, like what I said on CNBC this morning, weird roommates that don't like each other. They have to sort of coexist because, you know, uh, Facebook's one of the most popular apps on the iPhone and at the same time, and so is Instagram and all the others. And then at the same time, uh, they need Apple uh, to to be popular, right? So it's a weird, bad relationship between them. Um, but they're moving forward on their, on this, uh, on this uh, effort to uh, make people say they want to be tracked, essentially you opt into it. Um, and, you know, so was, let me, let me ahead. just press pause there. Sure. My sense is that he's in a, he's in a room Mm-hmm. Saying we're going to put that that motherfucker out of business, <laughs> and that, that that's what they're doing, and that to to de cookie or whatever it is, such that yeah. Facebook cannot track people across multiple platforms, is basically yeah. saying, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to take out your liver, and you can function as a human for a little while without mm-hmm. a liver, but effectively. I mean, they've gone in. If they accomplish this, they they take the most valuable consumer base in the world, which is iOS users, and they make them dramatically less valuable to Facebook. Yes, they do. In July, as coronavirus numbers surged, Facebook was once again accused of spreading misinformation, but this time by the president of the United States. Uh, Facebook and President Biden are facing off over vaccine misinformation this past Friday. Biden was asked about the role of social media in influencing vaccinations, and his response was unusually strong. They're killing people. I mean, it really, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And and they're they're killing people. Facebook fired back on Saturday in a blog post saying the Biden administration was, quote, finger pointing and that Facebook was not the reason Biden's goal of uh, 70 percent vaccination was missed. On Monday, uh, Biden reversed course and said Facebook isn't killing people, though the president walked back his most aggressive comment. He reiterated that he hopes Facebook does something about the misinformation. It was kind of fascinating. He did push it too far. It was interesting. Let me just start. I interviewed Ron Klain, who started to raise this idea a couple of uh 
weeks ago on a podcast I did with him was saying Facebook's always the person the company mentioned when people talk about misinformation when they're doing their polling. Then Jennifer Saki said something and then the Surgeon General did. And then for some reason, Biden went out there and was doing the come on man thing. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, man, they're killing people. And so may have been a little much. Uh, I wrote a column you saying did. it was probably I a read little your much. Column. But nonetheless, what do you think? Um, I look. I've I've said this nine times, so I'll say it a tenth time, and I've been wrong okay. every time. I think this is Facebook jumping the shark. Facebook basically said, first off, they found this VP of integrity. They strapped mm -hmm. a bomb. He's been there. They a strapped long time. a bomb to his <laughs> chest and said, "Hey, you're a hero. Go out there and say that the Biden administration." This is what they said about the Biden administration: that they mm -hmm. were trying to find scapegoats because of their failed vaccine yep. strategy. He said that. That is basically <laughs> that is telling the president of the United States and the U.S. government. That on the most important issue they have and will face, they are failing six months into their presidency. I don't think they ever mm -hmm. said anything that aggressive about Trump. I don't think they've accused yeah. uh, President Xi of finding scapegoats. Yeah. So the calculated yeah. decision here was they strapped a bomb to this kid's chest or put him in a kamikaze plane and said, mm -hmm. go out there and 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 clap back really hard at the administration, and for the life of me, Kara, I can't figure out how mm. this was anything but a ridiculously stupid fucking move on the part of Facebook. Biden eventually walked back those comments. In August, Facebook released a report showing its most viewed content. Instead of misinformation, much of it was innocuous. But according to Casey Newton, things weren't quite what they seemed. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to dunk too hard. I appreciate when Facebook makes data available, but this is not the data that anyone was looking for. Oh, thank you, sir. Can I have some more? But go ahead. Go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's like what we want to know is what stories are popular on Facebook right now. You can mm -hmm. measure popularity different uh, in a bunch of different ways. They bought a tool called CrowdTangle that lets you see the posts that are getting the most engagement, and but they hate it because they say that the posts that are getting the most engagement are not the most popular, and that what you really want to know is well what posts were viewed the most. And so that mm -hmm. was the point of yesterday's report. But whereas CrowdTangle is a real-time tool, this is mm -hmm. going to be a once every four months report. How yeah. much can we really learn by knowing right. that the most the shared moment. domain on Facebook over the past four months was YouTube.com? They're not telling yeah. us individual YouTube videos. It's just right. sharing YouTube is popular on Facebook, which any which of us knew. could have guessed, right? right? You look at some of the other most popular links, they're basically spam. <laughs> like people yeah. who were sharing popular memes and then attaching yeah. a URL to in one case, a speaker's bureau of former Green Bay Packers players. This is not helping me understand what is on Facebook. Well, I think it, I think it's done very clearly to show, look, we're not that, we're just silly. We're just cat videos. It's sort of the cat video move, essentially. Yeah. And, and I mean, this sort of goes hand in hand with the other big tech company move, which is to only talk in terms of percentages, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook yeah. and YouTube oh, yeah. love to do this. Well, only only 3% of views, yeah. you know, were of uh, fascism. Um, and right. like, okay, 3% of views is, you know, tens of millions of clicks. So right. um, again, uh, uh, you know, glad to see a little bit more data, but we need to keep pushing for the data that would actually be useful. We later learned that Facebook shelved an earlier version of that report because it showed vaccine misinformation was popular on the network. And if all of that wasn't bad enough, it is bad enough. In October, Facebook became the subject of the year's biggest tech story. What do you know? Again, the Facebook files. In a slew of damning stories, the Wall Street Journal reported on Facebook's lax rules for celebrities, its permissive behavior towards drug cartels, it's pushed to get children onto the platform and more, including teen depression and generally just not giving a good goddamn about anything regarding our commonwealth. But I digress. But one story resonated above all. Facebook's own data reflected that Instagram was harming teen girls. 
but they have found internal Facebook research that showed that 32% of teen girls said that they felt bad about their bodies. Instagram made them feel worse. Facebook knows this. Mark Zuckerberg reportedly learned it about it in 2020, although we've been talking about it for a long time. Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, issued a statement saying the story focuses on a limited set of findings and casts them in a negative light. That's right, Adam. It does because it's negative. The, the, the comments from him mm-hmm. are just appalling as far as I'm concerned. He made several. Well, he's taking a page out of Sheryl Sandberg. I'm proud of the progress. He tried to, he tried to do this long. gymnastic move. It took move. us too long to understand this. Scott, I'm going to let you rant here. Please go. Well, as society, Peter Drucker said that an economy exists to create a middle class. And that's the balance of an economy economically. But from an anthrop- anthropological or from a spiritual or from a instinctual standpoint – the most rewarding things in our lives are our ability to provide a safe and loving environment for our children. Mm-hmm. And when that does not happen, when one in eight UK girls who are contemplating suicide highlight Instagram mm-hmm. as the primary reason they have started contemplating suicide, it's Facebook hasn't failed. We have all failed. Well, I mean, this is – what could be – what could be more serious than an uptick in teen depression, self-harm, and suicide that can be reverse engineered to a corporation, and we haven't done anything about it, that we've let this happen? Meaning we, you know haven't, who's really, we haven't stopped Facebook is what you're saying. We haven't moved in. Right. I think at some point you got, you got to start holding ourselves responsible and well, our elected leaders responsible. But let's focus on Facebook and, for a minute. Let's, they knew well, this research. Look, this is, this is research that's been out, and a lot of people are suggesting that we, everybody knows it. But here they are just doubling down on it. They were gonna, they're, they're supposed to put Instagram for kids out. They aren't acknowledging. Can you what believe the that? Yeah, yes, yes, I, mean, I can. You've got to admire their gumption. They, I can. <laughs> they write everything down because they're proud of and it. And 44 states have asked them not not to. And yeah. that's where we are. We states ask Facebook not to do something. Right, right. So so this obviously could apply to other people, not just teen girls, but teen girls are very vulnerable. Instagram already does warn users who view tags like anorexia and directs them to seek help. But I think one of the things you've talked about a lot is envy and depression are just built into this. There's no, It's not fixable. It's not the way it is. My, I asked my kids about this last night, actually, and they're like, I, I, see, I see people on there and it makes me feel bad about myself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're pretty confident as people, but it's a, a third of girls under the age of 22 and 40% of the users are under the age of 22 cite that it makes them feel worse about their bodies. Yeah. Yes. That's what one, I of, mean, one of my kids was saying that. Mm-hmm. I, I just find it. So I, I, I agree with you that Mark Zuckerberg is, is ultimately responsible, but, but they have deployed Sheryl Sandberg around this notion around saying she has incredible gravitas uh, and a lot of it is deserved around the, being presented and built by 900 people in the communications department as a real champion for women. And and then she talks about personal loss. And the, the comment I thought that ran through my mind was, and I like the stuff she said about her kids and dealing with grief is mm-hmm. that they need a safe space to grieve. And I thought, where is our children's safe space from her and Mark Zuckerberg? The documents behind the journal stories soon made their way to other publishers, thanks to whistleblower Francis Haugen. Further reporting showed Facebook struggling to moderate content overseas, employee dissent, and greater failures around January 6th. As the bad press mounted, Facebook pulled a Hail Mary. They rebranded to, what a coincidence, Meta. We're not going to play a clip from that episode because it's a cosmetic change. Giving it any more attention is exactly what they'd like. The issues remain unresolved, and we're still going to call it Facebook from time to time. Ha, that'll show them. That'll show them. 
2021 was a big year for billionaires. We'll talk about Elon Musk later, but in some ways, this was the year of Jeff Bezos. In February, he announced that he was stepping down as Amazon's CEO. Scott and I considered his legacy. So before we even get to that, though, I I do think it warrants a moment of of recognition that Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Bezos, his career. Yeah. uh, Look, no no one man in history has taken a company from zero Indeed. to one point seven trillion. Mm-hmm. No no one person yep. has uh, established a recurring revenue relationship with eighty two percent of households. No one person has had a company hire a half a million people mm-hmm. in one year. No one person has revolutionized e commerce, revolutionized cloud, revolutionized uh, voice. Mm-hmm. This is as he stands here today, and there is a dignity and discipline to leaving mm-hmm. the stage while people are clapping, he goes out uh, or leaves the CEO role as the bluest, you know, the, the bluest flame thinker in the history of business. And also, I have been very critical. I don't think they can you know, uh, acquit themselves well, gamifying the Commonwealth, some of the things you just uh, read mm-hmm. about. But the reality is, uh, you know, I've owned stock in Amazon since 2007. They're the largest recruiter of young men and women out of my class. It's given them an enormous, uh, mm-hmm. a wonderful start to building economic security. You know, you got to, you just got to recognize what he oh, has I do. done. It I, is you know. just staggering what he has accomplished. Now, now the most exciting thing, mm-hmm. the most exciting thing, and there's an analogy here or a metaphor or a correlation, whatever it is, a reference to Bill Gates. Bill Gates, when he retired, was mm-hmm. not that well liked. People saw him as someone mm-hmm. who really threw around his elbows in business. Up until mm-hmm. the point he retired, he was not very philanthropic. Mm-hmm. The last 25 years for Jeff Bezos have been meaningful for our society, but the next 25 years could be profound. And because we're brilliant, we predicted Jeff Bezos in space months before he ever announced he would go. What's really fascinating is the two richest people in the world, mm-hmm. in this world, in history of the world, want to get off the planet. <laughs> Consider it important that we get off the planet in some fashion. And both are worried about these existential crises. I don't climate think they're change. going. I, th- I don't think that's it. I think they want to be No, I think, I think Elon, that's how he's going to go. I will never see him again. I think he's going to get on. A, I don't know about Bezos, but I think Elon's getting where? to Mars. How's that for a prediction? We almost got it. Four months later, Jeff Bezos announced that he would fly to space via Blue Origin, his rocket company. Could you be a stowaway? Bill Gates, that well, you can be so good for, for this podcast. For two point eight million dollars, we should do a GoFundMe, and I get oh to sit god. next to Bezos going into space. Oh my god! Can we please? Yeah, All right. that would be pretty good, right? Let's do it. Because really? if you going into space it? with Bezos, the two bald guys taking off. <laughs> so cute balls. I'm scared. I am so scared. Would if I got on it? that seat next, I to could him, do it. I could raise the money. I could do it. I would just, you know what I would do? I would just inappropriately flirt with him, like grab his hand, <laughs> grab his hand a lot, and just stare at him and wink. <laughs> Come on, that'd be good. And then in July, Bezos actually flew. I want to thank uh, every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer, because you guys paid for all of this. So... <laughs> Sunday morning or broadcast morning television shows mm-hmm. spent more time covering the Blue Origins, Bezos, Dick yeah, and Space Well, it's thing. irresistible for TV. Well, Come hold on. on. It looks like But a in penis. one day, in right? one day, they spent more time, more hours covering the Bezos launch yeah. than they did covering climate change in all of 2020. I know. I know. And at some point, the, the editors or whoever it is at these stations has to go, okay, 
it, it, are we a big part of the problem? And when they send all these reporters and journalists down there to act breathless, I mean, l- think about this launch. And and by the way, I was on MSNBC yesterday, and I felt intimidated you not did. to be that cynical. Yeah. And I just I just couldn't help it. They went a hundred kilometers for the carnival. Say what line. you That's- said. Say what you said because I thought it was quite interesting. Okay. It would have been cheaper if Jeff Bezos had crashed his canary yellow T-top Corvette into a hair plugs clinic. What is the achievement here? They went up 60 miles and floated back down. 50 years ago, we sent three brave people into orbit. We sent them 400 times as far. No, I'm sorry, 4,000 times as far. We sent them a quarter of a million miles, had them land on basically a big asteroid rotating at tens of thousands of miles an hour. We weren't even sure what was going to happen when we landed on the goddamn thing. Yeah, this and this was in an landing, era. Which was the, is the anniversary, but go ahead. This was in an era where the, when the majority of homes in the United States didn't have air conditioning. A third mm-hmm. of ho- homes in certain regions didn't have indoor plumbing. And then we brought these men back safely to Earth. And now we're pretending this is some sort of achievement. Other notable space tourists this year, Richard Branson and William Shatner. Blue Origin has since announced plans for a space station. We'll see how that goes. Speaking of sending things into space, in January, traders on Robinhood sent shares of GameStop and AMC Soaring. In the Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets, users framed the run-ups as revenge for the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah, right. Kara and I didn't think that framing fit. That someone will be left holding this bag. And in a lot of ways, it's the companies. Because right now, GameStop, everyone's like, now they can buy things. I'm like, no one's taking their stock. No one's taking their stock. Not one person will be taking their stock. Or they could get bought. And I'm like, no one will be buying. No way. They can't. No way. They can't. They have frozen this company in in a way that is that It It has nothing to do with the company. People are treating it like cryptocurrency right now. It's right. Exactly. And do. so that's what I, I'm like. All, there's people working for this company, including AMC Theaters. AMC Theaters got to revive as a business, not as a speculative game for people, whoever they are, whether they're hedge fund people hidden as these people or these people, which I think they're very dedicated. But it gets to that idea of democratization of stock market. And I think, you know, we have had issues with Robinhood and how they do that. But this idea of, of like, we're not stupid. You, It's so interesting when you hear, and I'm not comparing with the capital people, but a lot of people who are disgruntled and want went run to Trump is well, no one's hearing us. We're we will be heard, mm-hmm. um, and it has the same sort of tone of we we're tired of Wall Street screwing us. And I think this is part of what happened when the banks didn't get nobody went to jail in the banking mm-hmm. crisis. Nobody yeah. went to jail in the mortgage crisis. They're a hundred percent right that this is a silly game, and they're showing to me what they're showing is what a silly friggin' game this is. As prices spiked, Robinhood restricted the trading of GameStop and other meme stocks, leading to a fierce backlash from its users. Their anger reverberated from Reddit all the way to Congress. So there's a lot okay. to unpack. And, and let me be clear. I think Robinhood is, is a menace that treats their their consumers as the product and ultimately, I think, leads to, to dark mm-hmm. places. I've made dark that clear. Dark places. But, but AOC and Senator Warren in this instance and the class actions who filed against uh, Robin Hood really missed the okay, mark, tell me and why. that is well. Okay, so Robin Hood is guilty of not of not envisioning a scenario where fifty percent of their account holders would own one stock that ran to volatility of fifty percent or fifty percent down. Because the people who clear your trades and the people who provide financing for your margin are constantly looking at the likelihood 
that the market could could have some sort of wild wild ride mm-hmm. one day, and then the money that people borrowed on margin, the stock crashed more. Say say you buy a hundred dollars with a mm-hmm. GameStop stock, and someone finances a hundred dollars in margin, so you buy two hundred dollars worth, and it crashes more than fifty percent in a given day. They, they, what they say is, okay, if GameStop is only 1% of the stock in, uh, that a brokerage is doing, then we're not that worried. But when all of a sudden half your account holders own GameStop stock, the clearance guys and the people financing your margin just basically call you and say, you can no longer trade in this stock. So the notion that that Citadel conspired uh, with with Robinhood to support another hedge fund just isn't true. This, was, this has happened before. They got caught in a capital squeeze. The more interesting thing here is who's bailing them out. And their existing investors, including Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia, I think NEA, have all come in, not for one and a half billion. I heard about this piece of paper circulating mm-hmm. Thursday night where mm-hmm. they're raising another three and a half billion dollars. And it, wow. it feeds to this bigger narrative around who is making money here. Right. Uh, so who are who who is gonna make tens of billions of dollars here? We all think, oh, they stuck it to them, they stuck it to the man because this hedge fund lost $3 billion. The people who are going to make tens of billions of dollars are the people, quite frankly, the investors in Reddit. I'm sorry, the mm-hmm. investors in Robinhood. Robinhood signed up a million new accounts on Thursday. They did more than that, yeah. All of this all of this craziness that, oh, they did something wrong. No, they do something wrong every day, but them getting them having their clearance and their margin financiers pull stocks down for not letting them trade in certain stocks, that was poor scenario planning. But they didn't. I would argue they really didn't do anything wrong. Who else is making money here? Who else is making money? Okay, what about the Winklevoss twins, billionaires from Harvard, who say, "Let's go into silver." All right, that's your movement. The wealthiest man in the world, uh, Elon Musk, that's, and, and a guy who made all his money at Facebook. Those are our William Wallaces around this, around yeah. this movement. In September, court documents reflected that Citadel executives had been in touch with Robinhood management as the trade restrictions went into place. Traders claimed that this proved a conspiracy between the two firms. Both Robinhood and Citadel deny any wrongdoing, but the stock is off 80% since it's 52-week high, mostly because they're mendacious fox. All right. Meme stock traders weren't the only people trying to overturn the finance. Apple cart in 2021. Cryptocurrency had a rip-roaring year, buoyed by the rise of NFTs and U.S. inflation. Bitcoin hit a new high shortly after New Year's. A month later, Tesla announced that it would accept payment in Bitcoin and revealed it had $1.5 billion worth on the books. But in May, Tesla did an about-face and said that it would no longer accept Bitcoin. Elon Musk cited its environmental cost. So let's acknowledge there are environmental issues, and there's a really interesting discussion, that, a worthwhile discussion around uh, the electricity consumption of mining for crypto. But they didn't seem to want to have that conversation in February. The, yeah. These issues were present in February when they purchased $1.5 billion and then put in his profile the term Bitcoin. Yeah. And then Still before there, the earnings, when they were going to miss earnings, decided to sell some of those gains that he had catalyzed by being a big promoter of Bitcoin beat his earnings. And now all of a sudden, after selling and showing a $100 million plus profit, he's decided that he's uncomfortable with the environmental impact of Bitcoin. And what you have here, I, I think this is a big deal because mm-hmm. this is an individual who 18 months ago put out a tweet that said, I have funding secured to, pay, to take the company private at $420 a share and the stock shot up. It ended up there was no truth to that. That is probably the most textbook case of market manipulation I've ever seen. Yeah. 
And yeah. the SEC decided it's important that we have innovators. He's creating a lot of value. He's doing important work. Let's slap him on the wrist with a $10 million fine and hope that it doesn't happen again. Well, guess what? He is now saying to the moon with Dogecoin and then on SNL saying it's a hustle and mm -hmm. it loses a third of its value. And then yeah. saying putting Bitcoin in his profile and Bitcoin shoots up and then saying I'm uncomfortable and then putting out thoughtful statements after he sells it. Mm. Saying, saying, I'm worried about the environment. You are now talking about thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who yeah. are losing sleep at night, wondering what the fuck He's is this gonna guy going to tweet in the morning? Yeah, the thing is, this is interesting. Dieter Bone from Verge said, our crypto market's too prone to massive multi-multi-billion dollar swings in value based on seemingly tiny pressures, or is Elon Musk too influential on those markets? Yes. I think that's 100%. right. Uh, another one, someone wrote, good morning to everyone except Elon Musk. Uh, which I thought was funny. Um, but there's all kinds of reaction. It's another person's Elon Musk comment about Bitcoin. It's like saying a Tesla uses way too much energy rather than just ride a donkey instead. People are losing their ever-loving minds, but they, they like they they hung on his every word on the way up. You know what I mean? Which is, I think, sort of like two bad boys. You know, you, you were thrilled when you were like going, go Elon. And then he does this. You shouldn't rely on him and it shouldn't have this much... Uh, thing because it, it begins to look like a sort of this pump and dump thing, which I think is what you're essentially saying. In September, a remarkable first for Bitcoin in Latin America. The government of El Salvador purchased 400 Bitcoin one day after mm -hmm. it became official currency in the nation. That's nearly $21 million at the time of purchase. So the president's all into the Bitcoin. What's going on? He wants to be the Bitcoin country. So is everyone moving to El Salvador? Look, I think it's actually really big for Bitcoin, and there were a lot of stories about it's mm -hmm. kind of the hiccups in the rollout, but I would argue there was less hiccups in the rollout than the rollout of Obamacare or, you know, Windows mm -hmm. 8, I think a Bloomberg article pointed out. But the remittance, it, it, it could reduce substantially commissions around remittance. The GDP of Italy is transferred from uh, in between the Americas from workers uh, back to uh, residents back into countries such as El Salvador, which is the poorest country in Central America. And it's just, it's great it's for Bitcoin. It's an interesting gambit for them. Yeah, it is really country. interesting. But people like Bitcoin for different reasons. Investors like it for the volatility. Some people mm -hmm. like it for the technology. Um, and then that's why people are worried. They're worried about the uh, instability of it. But ATMs that convert to Bitcoin, Starbucks and McDonald's taking it. Yep. It crashed on Tuesday, but I actually would argue it's probably a buying opportunity. I think it's fantastic for Bitcoin to have a sovereign nation saying this is our new default currency. Who the big loser is existentially through all of this, is that if the USD gets replaced as the default currency, we're going to lose right. one of the most powerful armies we've, you know, in the world. And That's that is our ability to track away, correct. I mean, although the Bitcoin people say no, it's a long time. Right now, the US dollar it's is the currency of the world. It's a nation adopting it as legal currency. I think it's yeah. a big deal. And in October, another first, a Bitcoin futures ETF launched after years of failed attempts. At the time of recording, Bitcoin has more than doubled in price since January 1st in 2022. Anything could happen. Well, that's a bold statement. Anything could happen. Let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at Elon Musk's year and pick the biggest pivot of 2021. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. 
Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. We're back with our year in review. 2021 began with a muted hope at the, for the end of the coronavirus pandemic. Instead of a raucous New Year's parties, many Americans rang in the year with small gatherings where they wondered how soon they could get a COVID vaccine. That turned out to be a while. The initial vaccine rollout was plagued with problems. Scott and I wondered how to fix it in January. I have been trying to get my mom a vaccine there. Your system is so screwed in Florida. Now, she's going to have to fly to New York, where she is on a list that is much more organized. The D.C. list is really organized. I feel like I can reach them. I can look at all the information. Florida, it took me like hours. They had shitty websites, shitty information. Awful. Yeah. Try, was awful. on the phone with them. It, let me just say, the Governor DeSantis, you suck in terms of- Well, uh, he, here's uh, here's where we are, and it speaks to a larger problem. I don't and, care if you don't have enough of them. Your your systems suck. Even if you're telling me no, you're not explaining how I can get but, on a list. But this is part of a, of a 40-year screed started by Reagan, where government is incompetent, so let's defund them, which leads to a self-fulfilling prophecy about ineffective government. And this whole notion- that we're going to decentralize everything and leave it up to the hospitals is nothing but similar to Facebook abdicating responsibility. And Governor DeSantis is, you know, this big, we're going to let the hospitals figure out the vaccination websites. You know what? We need scale. We need the federal government. The federal government is really good at some things. They are really good at defending our borders. They are really good in ensuring that you can't segregate schools. They are, the federal government is outstanding at a lot of things. Yeah, and guess what? Federalized. It, this federalized. needs to be federalized. By June, there were signs that the vaccines were working. COVID rates around the country plunged, but as vaccine availability grew, so too did vaccine hesitancy. Case numbers rose steeply through July and patients for anti-vaxxers wore thin. It just struck me that uh, I think all of the nation is dealing with the uh, pain and unnecessary sacrifice being uh, levied on this nation because people have conflated an absence of oppression being an absence of responsibility. Mm. And in the 60s, we asked young men to go to Southeast Asia 
and fight a war to protect against this theory called the domino theory of communism. And a lot of them rightfully said, I don't want to go. And we either force them to flee to Canada or we put them in jail. If you live in San Francisco or New York and you work your ass off and your partner works their ass off and you make really good money, the government shows up and takes more than half of it in the form of taxes. And if you say, no, I want to opt out of this responsibility, we fine you. And if you still opt out, we put your ass in jail. And the notion that we are asking people if and when they go into public places, if they go to the movies, if they go to schools, if they get on a plane, if they work for the government. I mean, for fuck's sake, Kara, have you heard that 40% of hospital employees are not vaccinated? 40% yep. of hospital employees yep. are not vaccinated. The nation has had enough. Yeah. It is time for our leaders. And That's I do astonishing. Think they're- That's astonishing, I think. Don't you? Like 40%. I, was, I swallowed my tongue. I'm like, you're dealing with sick people and you're not vaccinated? Even among those who embrace the vaccine, there were concerns about one possible side effect. Will I have to go back to the office? I discussed that with guest host Casey Newton. Do you think one of the things that's interesting is these workplaces, as people go back, everyone's been moved back. I know Vox has been moved back to October or something like that, or unspecified, actually. But many yeah. of the tech workplaces have been moved back. What do you, what do you make of what's happened? They, did, they were bringing people back and I think wanting to bring people back. Yeah, I mean, it has been an absolute seesaw. I think employees are really frustrated, uh, and and so are the employers. I think the employers are desperate to bring everyone back, or at least make it available to the people who want it. Uh, but now the Delta variant is on the rise, and nobody feels like they can safely do it. I saw a, a great tweet from a Facebook product manager today who said um, that they need to analyze the effects of the fact that for the past year and a half, everyone's work life has had to be things that they're comfortable with their family overhearing because it's all been on Zoom. <laughs> but like, think about that. That is yes, so strange. It's true. It's, true. Yeah. it's absolutely true. So one of the things that's interesting is that tech companies have sort of leaned into no workplace kind of attitudes, yeah. especially Facebook, right? And others. Yeah. People could, what impact do you think that's going to have? And how do companies like that have benefited from this, like Zoom, and then there's lots of virtual meeting companies like Hopin and uh, all those, that, that, there's a whole gang of them that have been uh, funded. What happens to that? What, what happens to that idea of what a workplace is for, for at least tech companies or, or social media companies? I think it's hard to say from the middle of it. I mean, if you want to look at, you know, are these companies suffering and are they falling apart? Like, no, you know, their, their mm-hmm. profits are all up. Uh, they're continuing to grow. I don't think we've seen a credible story about uh, a big or even a medium-sized tech company that has really, really struggled with the move, which isn't to say that it hasn't been super hard. It's just been yeah. that they've mostly been able to muddle through. I mean, I think the, the lasting lesson is that tech workers and, and people who have options for where they can work, want more flexibility than they've been given. And uh, and this this does kind of feel like a, a one-way door where after they're, they've been told, you don't have to come in two days a yeah, week, I agree. they're never going to go in two days a week ever again. Over the months that followed, more businesses and local governments added or extended their vaccine mandates. And in October, the Biden administration rolled out a pair of mandates that it said would cover 100 million Americans. Those are set to take effect in January 2022. One man's name was on everyone's lips this year. From tweets and Teslas to feuds and fuselages, it felt like there wasn't a week in 2021 that didn't involve Elon Musk or his companies. His new streak started in January when he became the world's richest man. Elon Musk is now the richest man in the world. That call continues to suck. He surpassed Jeff Bezos last week with a whopping $190 billion. When are we going to see the world's first? If he becomes the world's first trillionaire, I don't know what you should do, Scott Galloway, something. Something. 
So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, mm. Return my Tesla. In the spring, SpaceX won a NASA contract and almost instantly got into a legal argument with Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin. Musk also got in a Twitter spat with Senator Bernie Sanders. It wouldn't be his last. In one corner, Bernie Sanders used Elon Musk's outsized wealth, along with Jeff Bezos and others, to highlight mm-hmm. wealth inequality in the U.S., which is pretty easy to do for Mr. San- Senator Sanders. On the other hand, Elon Musk said he's using his fortune for good, that he's going to bring it to move us to other planets. That's yeah. what he's spending his money. Honestly. Okay. And the bros went, no, nice First, job, he's going to invest in edibles. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kara. What, what do, we, do you think? What do we think? I think it's ridiculous. Bernie Sanders is making a very good point. And like, and he like is like, no, my money will be used for good. He's like, what is he, Andrew Carnegie? And he's giving everybody a library. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, okay, he's right. Uh, capitalism is just not about having someone worth $170 billion and paying mm-hmm. the lowest tax rate. Somehow in between tweets, Musk found time to host Saturday Night Live. In May, his appearance was expected to get a bump in Dogecoin, one of his favorite cryptocurrencies. That didn't go quite as expected. And the internet watched as Elon Musk host get SNL and his beloved cryptocurrency Dogecoin took a tumble. Among the moments on the show, Elon called the cryptocurrency a hustle. Uh, my question is, what is Dogecoin? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. It's a good question. Well, it's the future of currency. It's an unstoppable financial vehicle that's going to take over the world. I, I get that, but uh, what is it, man? <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling you, it's a cryptocurrency you can trade for conventional money. Oh, so it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. <laughs> I didn't say that, man. That sent the steadily climbing stock tumbling, crashing by 30%, although uh, the crypto uh, token is still up more than 10,000% in price this year. Almost immediately after Elon Musk made his first appearance, Robinhood was forced to pause all crypto trading order updates. As a reminder, Robinhood had to make a similar pause back during uh, the GameStop uh, frenzy. But then the next morning, Elon tweeted that his space exploration company, SpaceX, which has contracts with NASA, is still launching a satellite called Doge One on a mission paid for with Dogecoin. By the way, this month, the House passed a bill, which is backed by crypto lobbyists, to create a working group to regulate digital assets, which they should be doing. I don't really care who backs it. So what do you think, Scott? He was somewhat funny, correct? You were expecting disaster as as we can go to our tape. No, I wasn't expecting a disaster. Look, I, I think this, I think it's a huge win for him. Yeah, um, talk about why you think this because you you were you were critical of this appearance. You were you uh, look it. if you had Annie Leibovitz photograph your daughter's bat mitzvah, mm-hmm. little Rachel is going to look gorgeous. <laughs> it's going to be great for the family, <laughs> and Annie Leibovitz's reputation oh, goes heavens. down. So in this instance. Rachel is Elon Musk. Elon might not have been laughing in June. That month, the SEC announced that two of his older tweets had violated a 2018 settlement. So after a year of lawsuits and rockets in the SEC, I sat down with Elon at Code in the fall. Here's what he had to say about Blue Origin's challenge to his NASA contract. I I think you should put more uh, of his energy into uh, getting to orbit uh, than lawsuits. Um, you, okay. you can't. You cannot sue your way to the moon. Okay. <laughs> you know how good your lawyers are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elon didn't slow down after that. In the last quarter of the year, he sowed confusion over an alleged deal between Tesla and Hertz. Asked his Twitter followers to vote on his selling Tesla shares. Tweeted outrageous things at U.S. senators, including Bernie Sanders again, and he called Scott a numbskull. That's not true. He called me an insufferable numbskull. Let's drill down on that last part. And it's his stock. He's entitled to sell it. 
Okay. But instead of taking responsibility for saying, I want to diversify, I need to pay some taxes, the, the, and he has said this, the stock is fully valued. Yeah, he said he's going to pay taxes. Yeah, go ahead. He says, Twitter, you tell me what to do. Yeah, I know. Over the weekend, he put out a Twitter poll asking me he should sell 10% of his Tesla stock. Scott, you tweeted he's using the Twitter results as a cloud cover to monetize Tesla at prices that he knows aren't sustainable without outright telling the market he's lost faith in its valuation, although he has said that somewhat. Yes, um, and then he has said, then he did you. This happened, has happened before. I've seen it happen before, many times. So Lara pointed out, and let's just call out the elephant in the room. Mm. The sexual tension between the two of us is palpable. <laughs> it's palpable. <laughs> oh my God, and I got to be honest, again. last night I did have a sex dream about Elon. <laughs> we were in a, her, I, was, I was running my hands through his oh chest hair. God. We were Jesus in a hermetically Lord. sealed container 30, be- 30 feet below the Martian surface, uh-huh. recognizing that we were about to die a horrific death, either from asteroids or increased radiation oh, or gravitational no. pull that was melting our bones and, neuro- and yeah. neurons. But you know what? We had okay. each other, Kara. And to cap it all off, in December, Time magazine named Elon its Person of the Year. It's a safe bet that in 2022, Elon will continue to be one of the most influential men in the world unless he leaves for Mars. We didn't mention Elon moving to Texas because that happened before this year, but the Lone Star State had its own share of news in 2021. First, in February, the state was hit by a deep freeze. As its power grid failed, millions of Texans fought the bitter cold with blankets and fires. And someone said, they said, uh, they said the problem is if Ted Cruz went to Cancun in the middle of a Texas weather crisis, uh, energy crisis and weather crisis, it's only the second worst thing he's done this year, which... (laughs) <laughs> which is, of course, backing the insurrection, uh, which was a nice yeah, refusing move. refusing to certify the vote. Does he not want to get elected again? Beto O'Rourke is busy, like, calling seniors and bringing seniors warm soup. Like, that's what he's been doing the whole time. And Jose Andres is making food for everybody. Like, do they do they want to lo- turn Texas blue? Is that what their goal is here? What is the deal? And Abbott, like, blaming wind energy? Like, he's friggin' Donald Trump? What is going on? Continuing on a theme of systemic failures, Texas Governor Greg Abbott positioned himself as one of the country's greatest combatants against pandemic measures. In May, he issued an executive order banning government mask mandates. By August, he lost. In October, he pulled the same move again, this time banning vaccine mandates via executive order. Big business was quick to fire back. Southwest and American Airlines said this week that they'll comply with the federal government's vaccine mandate for large companies. This puts him in conflict with the Texas mm-hmm. governor who tried to ban vaccine mandates via executive order. Both airlines have said federal law supersedes state law, and they are correct. Uh, so there'll be lots of lawsuits all over the place, but I love, I, I, I think they're right. These are forward-facing companies with customers, and that's how they, they have to think about the public health. Greg Abbott is going to lose this one, correct? From I mean, he's, he's using it as a political thing. I fucking love this. The cruise lines... Yeah, but these are not con- these are not liberal. These are not bastions of progressive oak people. The cruise yeah. lines and the airlines are saying, "Hey, Governor, while you're over there, you know, absolutely uh, prostrating yourself to the far right, old white evangelicals in Iowa. A lot yeah. of stereotypes there. A lot of identity politics in that statement. Mm-hmm. We're going to focus on what's good for the economy and our business. Yeah, and our businesses, and yeah. stop playing politics." with our businesses. And after a year of arguing that governments and businesses can't tell people what to do with their bodies, Governor Abbott took his hypocrisy to new heights when he signed the most restrictive abortion law in the nation. I was lucky to have guest host George Hahn with me to discuss it. 
the Supreme Court, as I understand it, felt that Texas's laws or whatever regarding abortion violated a woman's constitutional right to privacy. This mm -hmm. is about privacy. Mm -hmm. So what is it about this new situation that is also not a violation of privacy? Is it the state saying, well, we can't legally do it, but you citizens, we're going to empower you. Listen, do a little dirty work for us, violate a woman's privacy for us. We'll give you 10 K mm -hmm. and we'll cover your legal expenses. Like, am I wrong? Well, you know, it's, I, I think it, it's just this constant chipping away of Roe versus Wade for over the years. And it's been, right. uh, for, for whatever you think about what they're doing, it's rather clever way to sort of chip away and chip away and chip away Roe versus Wade without overturning it because that was not possible. And so they make it difficult for these, right. these places to operate. They make it difficult to get there. They make it difficult. They make them smaller and smaller. And so they keep continuing to sort of chip away at the ability to do this. And now this new law where anyone in the United States can sue these abortion providers or anyone who helps them adds, you don't know who to, who to attack. You know, there, you can't, like before it was with, between government and, and these abortion clinics. Now anybody can sue them. So it creates, a, you know, a legal liability here that's really, you could start to do this on a lot of things. And from what I understand, and what's, but it's really this way to violate, you know, this right established under Roe versus Wade. Um, and then, not like there's it, it, if you're willing to do anything and i think a lot of people said this that the, the the right has come to play and the left is sort of or the the liberal side is like letting letting this happen over and over again and doesn't have a lot of good tools to stop it governor abbott will run for re-election next year if he defeats primary challengers he'll likely face off against beto o'rourke a few other stories from 2021 we should mention. Netflix came under fire for airing a Dave Chappelle special that many viewers found misogynistic and transphobic. Netflix employees walked out in protest. The closer remains on Netflix. 2021 was a good year for labor. 10,000 John Deere workers won better pay and conditions after going on strike. Workers in other industries from healthcare to transit went on strike as well. And wages for workers in industries, including dining and entertainment, were up as labor shortages continued. And speaking of shortages, supply chain interruptions rattled commerce. A chip shortage caused disruptions in auto manufacturing and consumer goods like the Nintendo Switch. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned after being accused of sexual harassment. His brother Chris Cuomo was fired from CNN later in the year when his role in the scandal came to light. Also, that big boat got stuck in the canal. Remember that? Yeah, I do. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for the year's biggest pivot. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, Scott, we're back. We asked our Twitter followers to vote for the biggest pivot of 2021. Here's what they said. In fourth place, Tesla drops Bitcoin. In May, hmm. Elon Musk announced that Tesla would no longer accept Bitcoin as payment. He cited environmental concerns. Only three months earlier, Tesla began accepting the cryptocurrency and revealed its Bitcoin future. Any thoughts, Scott? Any final? I don't even remember that episode. Do you remember it? Yeah, again, I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, but I don't yeah, remember you, that I think episode. you insulted the whole thing and said it wasn't about environmental concerns. That's how I hmm. There you go. Hmm. At number three... Andrew Cuomo resigns. In August, the New York governor stepped down as he was facing an impeachment inquiry. He had become a pandemic hero among many Democrats, but it turned out he was just a creepy groper. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I was shocked that people I don't know if it was it could have been a lot of things, but people turned to us for political commentary. And then people then turn to our Twitter and tell us to stay on our lane. I'm so confused. (laughs) I'm so confused. We don't. We have all the lanes, Scott. Just keep that in mind. Our lane is whatever the fuck we want to talk about. What the fuck we want. That's right. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. The second biggest pivot, Facebook changes its name to Meta. I thought this would be number one, but it wasn't. Yeah, me too. Uh, Zuckerberg rolled out the name change in October, but so far it seems to be the only change at the company. So there you have it. Yeah, it's I don't call it Meta. Do you What's interesting is it barely beat out the episode where Mark and Cheryl have changed their names to Sackler. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. And the biggest pivot of 2021 was, shockingly, OnlyFans banning sexually explicit content. In August, OnlyFans confused its creators and users when it announced that it was getting out of the adult content business. It reversed course less than a week later after getting assurances from its bankers that it can continue as is. My OnlyFans has racked up 11 bucks, but people thought it's called the dog. <laughs> people thought it was a site on bestiality and they asked for a refund. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, Gara. <laughs> Uh, I didn't think we'd get to reality, but here we are. Okay. All right, then. Um, And some runner-ups. Eleven Madison goes vegan. Facebook scraps Instagram for kids. And Jack Dorsey stepping down. Well, what about what about the episode where we talk about me getting a Bezos action figure and sticking it up my ass where no man has gone before? How did that do? How did that do? (laughs) From the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh. Okay, Scott, that is the show. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us for this crazy year. But here's hoping for a healthy, happy, and productive 2022. Scott, another year around the sun with you and I, and I am so thrilled to be doing it with you. Amen, sister. Right back at you. Read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. 2021, adios, amigo. Bring it on. Bring on 2022. More science, more empathy, more connective tissue as Americans. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here... 
chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 